0: Coming up in one minute on the Jack and Around Podcast.
1: And then I remember, <laughs> go with me here, because I remember somebody called me from the label and goes, well, Chris was making a, a video last night.
0: I do not hear it, man. <laughs>
1: because <laughs> you got to fight with the a guy who tried to take your keys or something yeah it
0: was uh just a guy that was out so i've read a quote from you
1: you go, i don't mean to kill people it just happens It just
0: well it's like that's where it's going so i can't get out of this song without killing this guy
1: <laughs> so and i don't mean to go back to look, i know how it feels to have people recite your old shit, but that's one of the best songs I've ever heard.
0: Right, a lot of people say that, you know. I can't believe that song's, that song's about me, man.
1: There ought to be a sideshow act yeah. for freaks like me.
0: Yeah.
1: I could be the star of the show, put my name on the marquee, in a room with a big red button that says, Danger, Do Not Touch. Mm-hmm. Twice a day, I'd mash it down, and you could watch me self-destruct. Yeah. yeah. Are you... Like what? What is that?
0: I had a different idea for the song when I when I started writing it.
1: The Jagged Around Podcast is brought to you by Lone Star Dry Goods, a collection of handcrafted quality goods with a truly unique Americana vibe. Visit the world headquarters in the heart of downtown Abilene, Texas, and Willow Park, Texas, in Fort Worth. Visit lonestardrygoods.com for more information. Welcome to the Jacking Around Podcast, available on your favorite audio platforms and in video on YouTube. For links and info, visit JackingAroundPodcast.com. So, man, what you been, we running? <clears throat> you don't worry about it, Chris. He's got it. That's
0: perfect. How you been interviewing?
1: Do you know Tough Hedeman?
0: Nah, I don't guess I do. He's
1: a bull rider from Stephenville, Texas. He's a four-time. He was like the Michael Jordan of bull riding. I
0: think I've heard. You know, especially tough. I've heard that.
1: Tough Hedeman. Yeah. He was like the first bull rider that made it into the mainstream because he was. His name was Tough. He lived up to his name, and the funniest part about talking to him was that he goes, "I go." So your name's Tough. He goes, yeah. Worst fuck. It's like being named Sue. Yeah,
0: <laughs> just the opposite.
1: Because he was just like, yeah. Well, everyone, how tough
0: are you? You know.
1: Yeah, every day he went to school and he was a, He goes, I was a book nerd. I was. I had coke bottle glasses. I was not cool. I wasn't tough. Yeah. And I went to school and got beat up every day.
0: Yeah. So he lived up to his name. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I got to talk to him about that. Yeah. And it was funny because he also said shit. He like he's a really he's a character, just like guys we love. How old the guy is? He? He's maybe a couple years old. And how old are you? I'm
0: sixty one.
1: Okay, so he's your age. Oh, I'm fifty, yeah. almost fifty one.
0: He's still riding rodeo. Oh hell no! Oh.
1: Now he does like his own little events and shit. Like yeah. he's made it happen. So I've been listening to your records a for twenty five years. <clears throat> But B, the last four hours for sure, and it just got me wondering. Like, man, I know you come from Kentucky, but but where does your where do you come from? Like, how how did you learn what this is and and what songwriting is and what what because man, you're because your writing is. Rough. No, man. Yeah. No, it's not rough. rough. It's, it's, it's not it's rough. Rural. It's not rough and it's, well, yes, it is. But yeah. it's not. Yeah. It's cultured. And it's defined. <clears throat> and it's technical.
0: Yeah, maybe accidentally, but I didn't, I didn't do uh, anything technical on purpose. You know. It did you just, just read
1: a lot or did you listen I a did
0: lot? read a lot and I... You know, I always wanted to write songs, and I started playing guitar when I was 15 and listened to a lot of singer-songwriters in the 70s. Who? Jackson Brown, uh, John Prine, uh, Gordon Lightfoot. You know, I mean, there were several albums of his, but I remember hearing him before I was ever into albums.
1: Was it from the radio, or was it from your parents? Yeah, from the
0: radio, Gordon Lightfoot was like... uh, You know, if you could read my mind and, and you know, even songs like, you know, Neil Diamond songs, you know, uh, Cracklin' Rosie and all that, it had a country sound to it.
1: So is that where all those melodies that you – because one of the things about really raw songwriters is that oftentimes there's not a lot of melody. But what I was noticing today for sure is I was like, he's got a melodic sensibility that's – Like a dude who listened to James Taylor.
0: Well, I listened to (laughs) James Taylor and all the singer songwriters back then. You know, I mean, I've uh, probably—I mean, the first forty-five I ever went out and—and is that what they called the little, little? Yeah, the little ones. Little one was uh, the Eagles' "Witchy Woman," you know, and that was one of their earlier hits, you know, and then I always heard. The Eagles, other than what my brother had, I always heard the Eagles on the radio, you know. Man. And uh I learned a little bit of picking off of those. My brother brought home a Lyle guitar when I was fifteen. He he worked in a coal mine. And uh he was twenty, I guess, nineteen twenty mm-hmm. and uh
1: and he brought and, home a guitar? He
0: brought home a loud guitar, and the strings were about that high off the frets.
1: <laughs> so you got strong fingers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I stayed up on that right, playing. He brought it home, <laughs> and he was working second shift in the mines. I think he probably, you know, uh, swapped a bag of uh, lid, a pot. You know, that's what they called them then for that, this guitar. Or he didn't, or the other guy did. Swapped a bag of pot for this old Lyle guitar. My, he brought that home and I brought an Ernie Ball book home. Had oh, the wow. Chords. Had the chords. And so I just did started it have songs or did it just chords. have the chords? It had songs and it, you know, kind of told you how, how to play them as you were going through them. You know, Daisy a Day, uh, I think was probably the. The first song What's that I that? learned. It's, a, I'll Give You a Daisy a Day. It was by a guy named Judge Strunk, and it was a hit song. Uh, I'll Give You a Daisy a Day, Give You a Daisy a Day, Dear. i Love You Until the Rivers Run Still and the f- Four Winds, They All Blow Away, something like that. Correct. Right. So I learned to do that just as a waltz. Just uh, strumming with my thumb and stuff like that, you know. So, uh, and then I just started getting a little better and a little better. And I'd listen to uh, all these guys, these, you know, Dan Fogelberg in the 70s, you know. I mean, so I you was were just a product was, of, the,
1: of the radio. You were just listening to the radio.
0: No, Dan Fogelberg, see, he had uh, several good records back through the 70s. And I was uh I was listening. Were you a fan and when that, it was
1: Vogelberg and what was the duo he had?
0: Oh, I don't know. He had one with a uh, couple co- like Tim Weisman, they got together and, and made a record. But after the eighties, I didn't listen to him that much. I mean, that's when I started hearing his songs on radio. But part of the plan, which is on the Album Souvenirs was a hit in the uh, early uh, back in uh, sometime seventy four. What's it?
1: Talking about prime?
0: No, Dan Fogelberg. It was, he had a hit with uh, the album was called Souvenirs. It okay. wasn't actually a, uh, but he was you know he was a young guy back then right. and and he uh, just really cool you know he was from Illinois, but he, he played out, he played all over, but uh, Captured Angel and Souvenirs, and I went back and got uh, one of his real old records from the early 70s, Home Free. So are you and telling
1: it, me that Dan Fogelberg was a huge influence on you?
0: Yeah, I'd say he was. I mean, I learned a few of his songs, and you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who's been influences on me i mean john prine was that's know, what very, confused me
1: because souvenirs
0: right the song souvenirs, yeah John yeah, that's a great song and uh yeah he he john prine said he wrote that song on the way to a uh show because he was playing like a few nights a week at this club and he thought he needed to write a new song every week, so he wrote souvenirs driving over there. And then he said, "When he, when he got there, he was uh, <laughs> he had he was convinced that he had written a song that he couldn't play on the guitar." And and then he said, "Same old, same old chords at all my rest of my, Isn't my that songs funny, man? Are, like
1: yeah. Do you ever do that where you come up with oh, yeah. a yeah I never play this." Is so yeah. Brilliant.
0: Yeah, I tell people all the time, you know, I only know three chords, you know, and just different variations of them. But that, I I did that uh, a tribute to uh, Robert Earl at Steamboat, Robert Earl King. And yeah, what song did you do? Undone. And I told him, he was sitting right there in the front row with his wife, and I said, well – uh, I want to apologize to you up front, Robert. I know this song has at least five chords in it, but I only know three. So, yeah, I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. So I apologize to you. And, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's a good song. That was the one that I wanted to play when they asked me to do that.
1: You know, he was one of my original heroes.
0: Yeah. I mean, I seen him a long time ago. Never heard of it, of him back, it was probably 90s. Whenever Steve Earle's first record came out. I seen. 88? 80,
1: 80,
0: 86 or 87, so like I think. And uh, him and Robert Earle were on Austin City Limits, and Robert Earle opened for him. And that's wow. when I got, got on. The, Have you ever done Austin City Limits? No.
1: Nah.
0: You should. Never been asked.
1: Isn't that strange, man? I'm sure there's a lot of things.
0: Well, like I don't, that. you know, I don't exactly play ball. You know, I just kind of go do a show. And...
1: Okay, let's talk about playing ball then, because <laughs> because when I was first on a major label, it was I was on Rising Tide, uh-huh. which was a Universal label. Yeah, and you were on Decca. Yeah, and when you when you made Chris Knight, the that's what it was called, right? Yeah. I remember I had made a record called "Living or Dying" with Steve Earle and, yeah, and Ray and, and Ray Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah, and you made yours with Frank Liddell. Yeah, and I remember going, "Come on, come on, what are we doing?" And they go, "Well, hold on, there's a guy who made a record that's a lot that's similar to what you're doing." <laughs> like whatever. And we want to see what they do with his record and if it works or not. Yeah. And that was my record came out before you, right before mine. Oh, okay. Because they wouldn't put mine out until they saw what your label did with yours. Because we were both kind of guys that it seemed like, well, what do we do with this? Yeah. And then I remember, (laughs) go with me here. Because I remember somebody called me from the label and goes, well, Chris was making a, a video last night.
0: I won't hear it, man. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember going, this does not bode well for me. Because <laughs> yeah. you got to fight with the A&R guy who tried to take your keys or something. Yeah, it
0: was uh, just a guy that was out there from the label kind of overseeing shit. And <laughs> he had already made a few comments to me. I don't... I. Didn't like him anyway, so I'm not gonna mention any names, <laughs> But you know, there's some people who just rub you the wrong it way. Was he one was, of those he times was trying where- to tell me what boots to wear and, and how to shave your chin and yeah, and all that shit. And you know, and I'd been around him before, and I was like. I don't like that guy. <laughs> just, you know, I, I should stay away from him. But, uh. I was
1: actually talking to my manager at the time, at that time, this woman named Kathy Whitley, who's mm-hmm. a fantastic woman and was a great friend of mine. is a great friend of mine. And we were laughing about that because I called her up because I was reciting her lines from It Ain't Easy Being Me and just going, God damn, are you kidding me? And we were laughing about that. How we were waiting to see what would happen with your record, and then we got this word like, "Oh, well, he beat the shit out of his A and R guy." I was like, "Oh, sh- what are we gonna do?"
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I probably should have just, you
1: know. No, you should have probably done that exactly game. what you did. I, I don't know. I mean, what would have, what would have been different?
0: Yeah. Probably nothing. You
1: know. You know. I mean, think about they,
0: what they they uh, I don't, I. Had a pretty good relationship with Decca, and you know, they put you know, as a big, it's a big, it was a big machine, you know, and they got my foot in the door. Yes, they know. did. Yeah. So, I mean, that was. and they uh, made a, a y- y'all game. made
1: you and Frank, and <laughs> who was playing drums on that record?
0: Chad, Chad Cromwell, and then, uh, I guess uh, I think Chad played.
1: Was Glenn Wharf playing bass or?
0: Glenn Wharf and Michael Rose played on about two or three cuts. And then Glenn Wharf and Kenny Greenberg played guitar. So I had the all star million dollar band. But
1: those guys were also at that time making one, two, buckle my shoe and, and John Deere Green. Like, yeah, Very different <laughs> kinds of country music, man. Those yeah. guys were still, they were making those kinds of records too. Yeah. And when they made your record, that's what I've always loved about those studio guys is that when they sniff out something that's like, oh, this ain't that. Yeah. Then they'll
0: yeah. play like we're playing street ball. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten more, I mean, uh, I, l- I love that record. You know, it was my first one. But when I listen to it, it's almost like, man, this band's too good for me, and I I sound like I'm 13 years old. It's know? funny
1: because that's one of the things I thought about when, when I was driving here today. Because I mean, yeah. I've known you for 25 years, but not really. And so, like, you and I touch base every now and again when we run across each other at shows. But it's interesting. Because I go, in my mind, I mean the most impactful thing that happened between you and me was that record of yours. And I go, I was talking to somebody, and I go, but I hate it when people just talk about my first or second record.
0: <laughs> well, I that like ain't what your, I do. I, I had a copy of your first record uh, CD. I was at your CD release party. Oh, I you went were with some blue water people. Oh, wow, down there and. Uh, or Decca one, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. But I had that, and I I listened to it, and I tell you, another thing, your record Electric, I thought was excellent. But thank you, man. Yeah, I don't know what went on with that, but uh, it
1: was probably this uh, very similar to to your record too, because that that was twenty years ago for me as well, yeah. Yeah. and it was just more like we can both give credit to frank liddell for letting us be nuts yeah, right he kept coming into the so he kept coming into the vocal booth for me and going are you cool with all this I was like yeah this is yeah more <laughs> more out of tune yeah. like more but the what i wanted to tell you was that when i was listening what's the name of your last record almost daylight almost daylight and when I was listening to that on the drive, it's one of those things where when I turned it on, I was like, this is exactly the same reason why I love the first record. It has nothing to do with production. And the production's fantastic, but it has to do with just the fact that, man, that's why I asked you when we first started talking, like, where the fuck are you from? Where...
0: I I grew up, you know, in western Kentucky and uh, just... Uh, Were we you raised on a farm? No, I mean, the first house, well, my dad worked on the rigs for uh, the natural gas, for a natural gas company, and, you know, he moved us up to Loganport, Indiana, and that's like the first memories that I have, and then, you know, I remember, you know, um, every day my brother, I was two years old, and my brothers would take off, we only lived there two or three months, but I, that's when I started remembering stuff, and uh, my brothers would take off every day, they were five and seven, and where were go, they going? They were just going down to Find some friends you know that they'd made around there and play ball or whatever and uh uh and I remember going to the screen door it was a big apartment, like a big apartment building or something. I remember going to the screen door and looking down there, and there was a boxer, which I love box boxers are you know about the friendliest dogs. Around, but <laughs> I remember looking at him and he was looking at me. So I just, I, at two years old, I decided not to go down. I finally one day, I, you know, my mother was distracted and I went down the steps and peeked around the corner right after my brothers had left and they were already gone. And I ran back up steps, but you know, that's where the memories started. And then we lived in a house, a little white house with. Only running water in the house was the kitchen. We lived there for four years you know till I was six years old mm-hmm. and uh you know we had outhouse we had we took a bath outside in the summer and 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 in the winter we'd be in uh on the back porch and my mother used to heat up water you know to pour into the tub and Things like that. And, you know, I mean, that's. And what I year was this? I come from a big family. Hold this on. Was, what year was this? Well, it was. 60, When we 65? lived in that little house, it was uh, 62 probably to uh
1: So you were living.
0: sixty-five. So you 66. were living in
1: a situation that was about 10 or 15 years behind the times.
0: It could have been. I mean, I didn't know. You Nothing didn't know about anything else. I mean, all I knew is there's a black and white TV that uh rolled half the time and was snowy. And my dad really didn't give a shit whether we had a TV or not. He'd go buy a used TV. And uh right. you know, it just wasn't he bought it. he came on from work one weekend because he had been away from home and I was four or five. My next oldest brother was seven or eight, and daddy told us to go get suitcases out of the back of the truck. He was in a Texas gas truck, and, mm-hmm. and uh, it was cataracts on it. We went out there, and there was two ponies in the back of it. And, and you know, so, I mean, he just. Turned us loose with them ponies, man. We, you know, rode them all over the place. My, especially my two older brothers, and you know, we had, we had, and then we got another bigger pony who was half Shetland and half Hackney. So you know, hell, he didn't show us. He said, "Go out and go, go ride that it." Down pony, and we'll ride figure it, it out. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's actually, man that's pretty amazing that's an amazing childhood
0: yeah i mean that's the way that i lived you know till i you know we got a little more modern you know when well we got a color tv when i was 15 so 70 75 i guess my brother that worked in the coal mines and brought the Brought the guitar home. Him, he worked second shift and him and my mother, one, my mother drove a school bus and they were sitting in the living room watching the TV that was just hard, had that horizontal roll <laughs> and the other channels were all snowy. <laughs> I he remember said,
1: that horizontal
0: roll. Yeah, and he told her, he said, get your coat on. We're going to go, we're going to go buy a TV. And he went up there and bought a big, you know, not a great big one, but a, you know a console TV about that size you know and that's, yeah, it was amazing cuz i couldn't get anybody to come to my house we lived i mean where were you about, at the time we were we had moved about 2 miles 2 or 3 miles up the road from the uh house with in indiana you no know, the house in uh kentucky that had very little plumbing you know that's right. That we were talking about. And uh so uh that was pretty cool, but I couldn't even get anybody, you know, they wouldn't couldn't come to my house to watch a uh, black well, and white TV because they had <laughs> they all had color TVs. And so, you know, that was pretty cool. So when you, you know?
1: started writing the songs that whenever you got that guitar. You know, we all kind of, I guess we all, I mean, I know, I know what I did. It's learn how to write songs. I just kind of copied other people first. Didn't even know what I was writing. And then over the course of a song, getting into a chorus, it would change. And I go, Oh, that's my song now. Cause it's not nearly as good as the one I was copying. (laughs) Yeah. Were you, were you kind of, riffing off gordon lightfoot and
0: i learned some gordon lightfoot songs and i i tell you uh john prine i learned probably 35 or 40. okay then who
1: who hooked you up with john prine i
0: my brother had uh
1: how did he know it because john was never hanging
0: out with guitar pickers and potheads and Around there, you know, in the coal miners, you know, who were into all that kind of music. You know, they were, you know, smoking weed and playing all this cool music that I hadn't heard of other than, you know, I mean, like the first song that really struck me, I was probably 13, 14 was... uh, Black Water by the Doobie Brothers. You know, it had oh, that rustic kind of sound to it and everything. I'm like, man, that's great. So, I mean, even before that, I was listening to some John Prime. Did record. that just make
1: your brains start on fire kind of? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it did. And it was like, you know, this is great. And then a couple of years later when I started playing guitar and – uh my brother had a huge record collection sounds him.
1: like your brother was pretty big influence yeah what's his name dark kirk
0: dark 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 d-i-r-k yeah
1: sounds like he was a because you, you also talk about your brother a lot in songs hey man are we good with this Shut that door a
0: little bit. That helps a little bit. Shut up. Hey, quit the fucking <laughs> sound. Fuck down, shut shut up. Up. <laughs> That's a new drum. <laughs> We've never used him before. Never uh, really? Anything. Yeah. He's not, uh, he's filling in for a couple of shows, but he seems like, you know good guy so isn't that funny
1: man whenever you have a new drummer mm-hmm. you're like how's this gonna go yeah usually yeah. ends up all right
0: yeah we grabbed your group drummer down here several years ago Pete, Pete you know we just uh hollered at him I think uh McAdam knew him and called Does McAdam him up. play with you a lot oh yeah he played a long time he played with you oh uh, yeah yeah
1: He's so good, man. Hey,
0: he is. He's, he's a good guy. You know. He's. Uh, yep. <laughs>
1: so what? I was, I also want to ask you about. First of all, I wanted to ask you a bunch of shit for a long time. I'm a huge fan. A really, I really. I think you. I think you write songs the way people write fiction stories, like real work.
0: Well, I mean, that's what I tried to do, you know, I thought, you know, this is what I can do. I can't really sit down and type out a novel or a book short stories.
1: Well, it's pretty amazing how dense if you really listen, just how dense your stuff is. It's like it's hard to digest. It reminds me of of when I was a younger man trying to Make sense of towns van Zane or make sense of Guy Clark or make yeah. sense of John prime, yeah. where I go, hold on, start that over again, what the fuck did he just say? yeah, <laughs> you know, and I wonder if that's why I wonder like you you're, you're I, I was wondering if your dad was into music or was he into writing or was he into was he into books, or
0: no, I mean, my dad just he was like just a. Uh... No nonsense kind of guy. He's mellowed out some now. He's 85, 86 now, but uh he uh, he loved music, you know. He listened to Tom T. Hall and George Jones. That was like Tom and, T. Hall's that's, a good
1: place to start. Yeah.
0: And that's <laughs> and I, that's what I remember hearing, you know. And I love Tom T. Ballad Hall. Ballad of
1: forty dollars and
0: yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a I, good but, place you know, to start if you're gonna be a songwriter. Yeah, that's right. You know, I remember first thing I remember hearing was old dogs and children on the, you know, and then and faster horses later on and things like that. Well, who but, gave
1: you your sense of like? Because I, I always think that in, in order to be a songwriter at some level or an artist, like who gave you your sense of wonder? Was it your mother? The the, the sense that there's a world out there.
0: No, I kind of had to be drug out. In the world, I mean, I when I graduated high school, I just had knee surgery and Why? I, uh, playing baseball, I twisted my knee uh cap out of place a couple of times playing baseball, and so I, my senior year, you know, I mean, I was you're, I was like fixing to kick ass, you're a good baseball. baseball. Player. Well, I was. I, Barely swing a bat now, but... Uh,
1: but in high school, you...
0: Yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, I mean, hitting 390 and... and Would you have gotten drafted? Seven home runs and things like that, you know, seven, eight. No, now I, don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe if somebody had really gotten my face and said, you know, you need to go here, you need to learn to study, and you need to try to at least walk on the baseball field. I did get people contacting my coach when I was a junior, you know, and wanting to, you know, but not, not even big schools. maybe junior colleges and stuff wanting me to come and play. Mm -hmm. And, but my senior year, you know, and then the first pitch (laughs) of the first game, I twisted that knee out of joint. And then so, for some reason or other, we went instead of wearing a brace. We went and got uh, knee surgery, and uh, that was the end of it. I don't think the doctor knew what he was doing. You know, he's, he's almost like he made it up as he went along. You know how they do it now? They <laughs> he was almost like just, a songwriter. You, they don't even leave a scar anymore, right? And you know, I got a scar from here like a big wishbone up here on my knee, you know? So I never could get it back right. And it still bothers me when it rains and uh, when it's damp weather and stuff. But uh, so I wore a brace, I wore a cast after the surgery. And uh, uh, once I was good to go, I went to work on a grain building Uh, a grain building crew, and a grain bin building crew. Right. And, you know, we built a bunch of grain bins around home and everything. Yeah. But my dad, my mother and father and my younger brother and younger sister had already moved to Bowling Green. And my dad called me up one day and he said, "Uh, you know, you need to come up here and... Take some classes at Western, you know, uh, WKU, and uh, which is, it's a great school, you know, uh, Western Kentucky University. And once you come up here and live at home and get you a job, have a part time job somewhere at some point, and uh, just live at home and take some classes and see how you like it. Well, I did, but I didn't do very well. And I was like, I went home after the first semester. I went back to to uh, Webster County in Kentucky. And why didn't you from, do well? Or, were you not? I did. I had no idea what what they were talking about. I might have made pretty good in English or literature or something like that. Because you're brilliant. Well, I just didn't. I didn't know how to study. I never cracked a book in high school. Period.
1: Did you ever have to, or did you just not do it?
0: Most of the teachers like me, and they they (laughs) they let me slide. That's the
1: funny thing, man. Like you're brilliant. It's obvious you're brilliant.
0: Well, you know, I mean, my literature teacher, English teacher, I mean, they would make comments to me. You know, about writing. If we had to write a story they'd give an assignment. So, you know, uh I maybe I guess I had a knack for that. But then after I bet you weren't so good at math. I wasn't. I was terrible. <laughs> but <laughs> but after I went back after a half semester of, of working for my brother and then I went back and uh finished out the spring semester and then Probably went back for another semester or two, and then uh still wasn't doing no good. And so I quit again and worked for a year. You know, I worked at a gas station and, you know, pumping gasoline and counting out-of-state plates, you know, selling cigarettes. That's, that's out at the Texaco, counting out, out of on, state on the place. interstate. They come down that's... to the lake
1: and they turn back around. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I worked at the Texaco out on the interstate, I sixty five in Bowling Green, and uh, and I helped a friend of mine cut firewood and and just do this and that around his.
1: And this is long before you started farm. writing songs.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I'd try to write, but I couldn't write, and then, uh, then I went back to school. After a year, I was shooting basketball in the driveway, and uh, which we never had like a, a concrete driveway, but we did in bowling green in a subdivision, and and we, uh, you know, I was shooting basketball, and uh, it just dawned on me that that I knew what I wanted to do. So I went back to school and I learned to study. Hold you on. Know.
1: It dawned on you, you were shooting baskets, and it dawned on you that you knew what you wanted to do. Yeah. What, what was that?
0: That was uh, just get into, uh, I was already had a bunch of agriculture classes. And then I thought, well, you know, soil science, things like that were real interesting to me, and agronomy, things like that. So I went back and I kind of concentrated everything on like soil conservation and land use and things like that.
1: So it was and, not about. I'm gonna go hit the road and be a songwriter. No, not even like, close.
0: Well, I didn't have any songs. I'd try to write a song and I was like, "Ah, this ain't no good." But then, I I to be honest, I mean, when I heard, I've told this before, when I heard Steve Earle, was like. I started writing songs and I wrote probably 60 in the next year. You know, none of them were very good, but uh, actually I'd send songs to Nashville and and uh, I'd get some good feedback. I actually hand written notes, just keep keep writing. I like your style, you know, and things like from that. From
1: publishers or who'd you yeah, send them to? Yeah, I was from publishers. How did you know who to send them to?
0: Probably through uh, the National Songwriters Association. Like a book. It's a no. It was actually a thing back then. They had a, uh, and then they had publishers. I remember that you could do that and send.
1: But it wasn't online. It was like a. It was like a real book.
0: Right. Well, yeah. I don't know, but I. I don't know how. I'd so how old were you when you, when you made your first record?: <laughs> 36 Thirty. I started in 96. That's crazy. What a
1: blessing, man. What a blessing.
0: Yeah, I was 26 when I started writing. and I 26, I wrote for six years before I ever went to Nashville, and I played. How did you know that you were any good? I kind of <laughs> knew that I had, you know, I basically had a little bit of an attitude that, you know, I mean, at that time I had a good job and I was fine with that. But I, I just more and more wanted to uh, just go out and play music and and, and then, you knew that when
1: you played. So when you when you first started playing music. And you'll have to excuse me for being so intrusive. <laughs> but, like, it's such a different story than mine. Like, so I, I'm interested in that way. Because when you first went out and started playing music in a bar, did people just shut the fuck up and knew to listen to you? Or were you playing background music? No,
0: I mean, uh, I had more trouble. Actually, I had more trouble with club owners than I did with uh
1: <laughs> with the uh,
0: with the crowd you know but uh there got to be a point where i was i had a steady gig once a week but you know it was really hard for me to get used to playing because i never went out with a, I never played with a band until i went on the road with that after the first record yeah, well, other than being in the studio and maybe playing a show with Joe Ely in Nashville at, uh, can't remember the name of the place, but it was Double's like Corner or something. No, it was it was a bigger uh, place. I don't think it's there anymore. But uh, you so know that you- that was pretty good. And uh, and then I went on the road uh you know, audition some guys, you know, Decker throwed some money at me and we were able to audition guys and have the band in the SIR down there and And, uh,
1: and I guarantee you've never had a bad band because there's something <coughs> like if you've if you never played with a the band then you went to Nashville. Like there's a thing man like where Musicians know, yeah, who to play with, right? And they'll they'll play for less if the guy's great. And and whatever that is, if you never played with a band, and you, all of a sudden you're, you're like, you've never played with a bad band, probably. You've never played with a band that doesn't know what they're doing because because musicians I, well, probably flock to you. I've
0: had trouble with a few of my bands a few of the guys in my bands and stuff like that no personalities aside but it was like working (laughs) working at uh, you know basically everybody just kind of got don't talk my ear off and do your job you know don't you know it's like get the van trailer loaded and I don't give a damn what you do a van call, but you better be there. You're a truck
1: stop guy. I call you. I call people. Yeah, <laughs> like how you doing? Good. Yeah. <laughs> if, I'll answer your question, but you asked me how I was doing. It's good. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> 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 like you're like uh I'm Yeah, good. I know.
0: Yeah, that's. uh Yeah, I've had a few guys that just they just talk too much. It's like. And they won't sit in the front seat and when I'm driving. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I don't, fi- I don't, I've never fired anybody over there, but I'm like. Did you ever hang damn. out with Billy
1: Joe Shaver?
0: Did I ever what?
1: Hang out with Billy Joe Shaver? I
0: did. Yeah. We, we did a few shows together. I bet I, y'all got along well. Yeah. We did. We did. He was, he was cool. You know, it was cool to hang out with, with him, you know. And we, I mean, as far as hanging out, I mean, I might have been in his dressing room. At, I get it. Uh, or
1: I just talking to him
0: before the show, and shaking his hand, you know, on several different occasions. You know, I just
1: imagine you guys got along well. Yeah, well,
0: we would, we would at least, you know, acknowledge each other any time that we we seen them. But yeah,
1: what about guys like Christopherson? where you?
0: I never, never never met him, but or... were you
1: into him? Yeah. Sunday morning coming down and Oh yeah.
0: Those songs are or... Yeah, I mean he, I I remember having an old uh Christopherson record and he's singing Help Me Make It Through the Night and and uh, uh
1: Well I mean Sunday Lord...
0: morning Coming down and the devil uh, the
1: devil uh, uh Silver Tongue Devil, Silver
0: Tongue Devil, yeah, and things like that. And I, I just played it. I don't know how old it was. I wasn't that that old.
1: But. So I'm So I've read a quote from you a while back. That said you don't, you go, you. Go, I don't mean to kill people. It just happens. It
0: just. Well, it's like that's where it's going. So I can't get out of this song without killing this guy. <laughs> so. Or this person dying, you know. I just, <laughs> cracked I can't me do it, up. Man. So
1: you're like, I don't mean to do it, man. Yeah. It just that's where it goes. But 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 again, when I'm listening to you, I go, there's so there's so much darkness in a. It's not dark like it makes you feel bad. It's just like you said, like there's so much death and there's so much this and and so is that something. That you're making up?
0: Or is it something Uh, that you saw? That's basically, I mean, just, you know, I mean, you can take a, just a small part of a story and make a song out of it. I mean, I've even even written songs uh, before the event. (laughs) The events happened, but like... uh, Me and Austin Cunningham wrote uh, Long Black Highway, Mm -hmm. okay? So, and uh, so when I, I I went, I took three verses in the chorus home and I finished the song and, you know, Austin kind of laughed because he knew somebody was gonna die in that song, you know.
1: <laughs> I know if he leaves this room, man, someone's gonna
0: die. Yeah. But it's kinda like uh there was a roofing crew up in Ohio, a construction crew, and they had killed it's probably over drugs or whatever money or something like that. But him and another uh guy in the construction of roofing crew, killed a guy. And after 10 years, this guy could not freaking stand it anymore. And he confessed to killing the guy. And I was like, I can't believe I'm freaking reading this, you know.
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so good. Like, really, man? You can't confess. Man, you're ripping my song <laughs> off. <'cause> I Yeah. <laughs> So remember? Do you remember a long time ago? It must have been. It was when I was still staying at the Shoney's Motel in Nashville. So it would have mm. been early two thousands. Yeah, sometime around then. And you drove from Kentucky, and we wrote a song in that motel room. And I remember you telling me, and I've told people this. I, I I'm not sure if I'm right, but I, I've always told this story as if I'm right, is that you drove in your truck. And never got out of second gear.
0: Well, I think it happened on the way down. Uh I remember uh, <laughs> I remember, the I remember was, that what? happening. And I probably had <clears throat> you know, just straight manifold. I mean just straight pipes on that truck.
1: Like a silver Nissan truck or something,
0: right? It was uh maroon, yeah. I remember a, you
1: telling me Man, I I never got out of second gear. Yeah. And I remember thinking,
0: that's some commitment, man. Yeah, I'm trying Wee! to think of what I did. I had to have uh, left it in Nashville. I don't know.
1: I don't know. Do you, you remember that song? That. I do.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the light lights of the stained glass, stained glass shine window. Down, on down
1: on the river. On the river in me. Yeah.
0: I thought it was a good song. I heard you do it. Uh we were live doing a a uh like a in in the row thing right. for a radio station. She I think there was a time that Don't you say did it.
1: nothing
0: about me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. man.
0: Yeah, I, I always liked it. I mean, you know, I'm always dragging old songs back up and thinking, you know, there's something good about this. I should you know just kind of rewrite it a little bit and get the melody where i want it but that i i don't know that's good i like that song
1: i, I love that song i i it's one of those songs where I, i'll find it again and i'll go it's one of those things where you question yourself you go what the fuck yeah that's a great song what are you yeah. doing you I know.
0: Idiot? yeah i've written some of those and uh I mean, a lot of times with me, sometimes it's like, well, the guy that wrote it with, I mean, I've written songs with, you know, they're trying to get that next album cut in mainstream Nashville. And uh, I don't know that they particularly take the song seriously. Because they don't, th- they got a better ear for radio songs. For what's going to, yeah, be candy. Uh,
1: do you do that often? What's up? Do, do you do that? Do you, like do you find yourself in in rooms writing with people that are trying to hit write hit songs? Well, I mean, I they just write a
0: different style than me. It's like, uh, and, you know, I mean, I've written a lot of songs with people that. Uh, you know, they're they're good songs and they're going here. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I really like this song, but I can't sing that. I just, that ain't something that I'm going to sing on a, on a record because it's too commercial. I don't know. I've always had a problem. Well, I know, man. It's a <laughs> I've curse. always had a problem with that, you know.
1: Hey, that sounds too much like a hit song.
0: <laughs> no shit, yeah. But.
1: I was just, I know. you know, Kathy Whitley. She yeah, knows I, you, she, she, and we were just talking about that on the way here. She, uh, she's a, she's a manager.
0: Okay,
1: we were just talking about that. How she was my manager for a long time, and she would send me songs, big, and I'd be like, "That sounds too catchy." <laughs> like, yeah, she's like, well, "What was your problem?" I'm like, "I don't know. It just sounded too catchy. I don't.
0: Yeah.
1: I had to ruin it."
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to <laughs> get yourself in it. It's like that's what I always had to do when I was writing songs. If I was going to record one, it just had to be something that I would sing, you know. What's your
1: relationship with, uh, oh man, I'm forgetting his name right now. The guy who's produ- produced a couple of your records? Is it 50 foot pound and a Two ton anchor. Got me tied down
0: with battleship chains. Oh, it's uh, Dan Baird. Dan Baird, yeah. yeah what's well, going? I mean, he he played on uh, almost daylight, but I haven't seen him since.
1: I he just played on the record. He didn't produce. I thought he produced. No, it.
0: I tried to get him to produce, but I wanted him in the studio because he was real good about uh, interpreting what i was saying you yeah, know, to the musicians because they had no freaking idea what i was saying you know they uh i would you know i didn't know how to explain it in music terms for a guy that's pretty uh you know a studio guy or or even my band guys you know I i'm just, telling you
1: man there's some writing on on this last record that The way you there's a couple songs where you go back and repeat the same line, and I don't. I'm sure you probably are unaware of it, maybe, or are you aware of it? What's your? Yeah,
0: I'm usually aware if I'm like can't find another line, and so I. But it's so good, and then (laughs) and you'll stop and not
1: have the fourth line. Like you'll have a verse with three lines, and and not say the fourth. I think it's just, it's technical in a way where I go, does that motherfucker know what he's doing? Like, Yeah, I mean? I mean,
0: it's like, uh, I don't know where else to go with this, and I think this will work. It's my song. i do whatever I want to do with
1: it. Yeah, know? well, it works, man. Yeah. It's really captivating because it it's jarring. And also in such a, you know, in the kind of songs that we write, that are so, you know, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) They rhyme, not rhyme, rhyme, not rhyme. Yeah. That when somebody has the balls to just go, this is what it is. Yeah. This is what it is.
0: Right. I mean, that's (laughs) what, if I believe in the song, I mean, I was telling you about, you know, if somebody didn't like a song that we wrote or whatever, I'd write a song, and I would just tell, uh, you know, whoever I was working with, I said, I'm recording this song. This is a good song. It'll be a hit for me. But see, sometimes they wouldn't get it. You know, they wouldn't get what I was going after or whatever. And, I mean, Becky's Bible was one of them, you know. And... uh I said, there's no way that I'm not going to record this song, you know.
1: And there's no way it's going to change. Right. It just is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've got a bunch of songs like that, you know. And-
1: i tell you what, one of my favorite songs that <clears> I still <throat> sing every now and again, uh, just to myself, when I'm trying to go to sleep, laying them off down in Kankakee. Yeah. Is that Little Victories? That's
0: or- uh, uh. I'm a nothing on me, and what's the line?
1: I'm a I'm a damn get it, tham, get it done sob. Yeah, that's uh,
0: I'm a I'm a. Let's see. Well, the last three is bring it on, get her done. Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is kind of Larry the yeah. Cable Guy, and, uh, but it's so good, Get her done. S.O.B. Don't run S.O.B., <laughs> but I can't get into the first line. I can't remember. But you ain't got Hopefully nothing. Hopefully, i remember tonight. It's a, yeah.
1: it's such a great song, man. It's one of those where, I, where every time I hear it, I go,
0: God damn it. Well, I had old Craig Weissman. I had the chorus. Did
1: Craig Wiseman uh, help well, you write that?
0: I had the nothing on me. Times are tough, they so ain't got nothing on me. And then me and him got into writing the song, and Craig, you know, all, he was all into it. And
1: he loves you, I guess.
0: Well, I mean, we we've written several songs y'all together. Wrote,
1: y'all wrote uh, it ain't easy being me together. We right? did, yeah,
0: yeah. Which, and, and, by the
1: way, man, and I don't mean to go back to. I know how it feels to have people recite your old shit and say, I love your old shit. And I know that's frustrating, but that, that's one of the best songs. And, I, and I'm talking about from my catalog of like shit that made me want to write. Yeah. That's one of the best songs I've ever heard.
0: Right. And a lot of people say that, you know, I can't believe that <laughs> song's that song's about me, man. You wrote that song. <laughs> it ain't even about me. I just when I hear it, I go, "Are you? Yeah. Are you kidding me?" I'm talking about people at the shows, you know, and you know that's uh, talking about uh, me. There might be a sideshow act, them.
1: yeah, for freaks like me. Yeah. yeah, I could be the star of the show. Put my name on the marquee. Yeah, we had a great time in a room with a big red button that says "Danger: Do Not Touch." Mm-hmm. And twice a day I'd mash it down and you can watch me self-destruct. Yeah. yeah. Are you like what
0: what is that? I had a different idea for the song when I when I started writing it was uh just stay away from
1: Like I'm no good.
0: I guess anything that yeah, and I'm no good and I don't give a shit. That's what my that's what my uh, I started out with uh, there ought be a town somewhere named for how I feel. I could be the mayor <laughs> down there and say, Welcome to Sorryville, and I took that to Craig and we just got started on it. And and uh, it's the whole yin and yang of that whole song, yeah. it just keeps coming bam, bam.
1: <laughs> I could be the mayor down there, yeah, which is so. That's a victory. And say welcome to Sorryville."
0: Yeah. Bam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And you, the whole song up, it never man. stops, man. Yeah, it's uh it was we had we had a real good time writing that man Craig and uh I mean Craig's a workhorse. Yeah, man, man I Craig couldn't doesn't write that with song you. without you. He I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's
1: just a fact
0: yeah and that's i've got a short attention span sometimes when i'm co-writing and and, you know but we if i know we got a good song going you know i'm like this is good man let's then i'll take it home with me and mess around with it and go back and write it again but sometimes they just happen you know
1: so what's your life like now like like you're here in houston yeah how many how many gigs a year do you play?
0: Well, I was doing I think in twenty nineteen before the uh, COVID thing. I I did uh, one hundred six shows, and then you know which is actually a good bit for me because me and Rick, my manager, we we decided okay we're going to do eighty five to ninety five shows is that good for you that's good for me that's all i need you know that's all i need because you know you get you pick and choose you know you're not just out playing every shithole in the
1: what do you country so here this is a 200 seater yeah is that what you're playing every night a 200 seater or
0: basically i play more of those than anything but I, i played several festivals this year and did a lot in Eastern Kentucky. You know they had me over. So there. Kentucky, do they?
1: So, are you the hometown boy? Well, doing good or
0: well, I mean, there is places where I feel like, you know, I've caught on real good. But I mean, I mean, I always say, well, you know, Kentucky's got bluegrass and and there there's music fans there, but they just First of all, Kentucky's probably a third of the size of Texas, and you know, and uh, people just they'd rather hole up in the holler or, <laughs> or up on the mountainside, you know, than come to a show. But uh, people
1: love you down here, though.
0: Yeah, I mean they do in Kentucky too, but this is a different world as far as live music always was. Yeah, and uh, I always they. Took took to me playing down here. So, I mean, there'll be places where I draw a real uh, pretty daggone good crowd, you know. I mean, I'm know? pretty
1: much a Texan. Yeah. And I know exactly why. <laughs> like, I know exactly why people love you. There's just a thing, man. Like, you might as well be from here.
0: Well, I mean, that, but there's Kentucky's people the only could place.
1: Kentucky's the only other Republic, right? Kentucky, it's a, Virginia.
0: Uh, it's a commonwealth. And I really don't know what that means, but it's not a. That's right. A, actually, a state. It Virginia says.
1: and Kentucky. Kentucky,
0: yeah, that's right. We got a buddy. old uh, uh Scott Miller. I was about Virginia. to say, man,
1: yeah. Scott Miller in the Commonwealth.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's where he got that. Are you yeah. buddies with him? Yeah, we know each other pretty good. We've done some shows, and yeah, he's good. He's good guy. Old Jason out there, my road manager. He's uh. He real tight with Scott. I miss Scott. I hadn't yeah. seen him in a while. Yeah. I love his music, man. Dude. I, every now and then I hear a, a new one or something I hadn't heard before.
1: It's funny. And, uh, there's guys. There's just guys. Yeah. You're one of them. Todd Snyder's one of them. Scott Miller's one of them. Where when I hear a song, I go, what?
0: Yeah. No, yeah, it's like, like what's going on here. Sometimes you don't <laughs> even know who the hell it is, you know, and you don't then have you have realize to. it's somebody that you knew. You just go, "Oh, you of know. course,
1: that's him." Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, man, I'll I'll let you go. I, I appreciate you taking the time and to hang mm-hmm. out, man. I, I I know we've been friends for years and years, but we've never gotten to hang out really and bullshit, and so mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you. Doing That's it on cool.
0: Camera. I I enjoyed it. This this was fun, you know. Yeah, man. I, I don't me. always say that when I get done <laughs> with an interview. Neither do so. I. <laughs> what was the story about driving from Kentucky to Nashville in
1: <clears throat> second gear? Oh, I, we talked about that.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. He drove. He <laughs> yeah. drove in second gear, <laughs> and I think you left your truck in the Shoney's parking lot.
0: Yeah, and I probably had it. Told to the transmission place or something. I don't rem- remember what, what every time I think about
1: it. that I go, in my mind I go, Meh! Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, hearing I, seven thousand RPMs enough for enough.
0: three hours. But, but you know, uh I try not to have those problems anymore. I had a Dodge van, two thousand one that uh broke down, got to breaking down, just transmission go out, the uh timing gear go out, break, or something else would happen with it. And we were breaking down. You know, we're Malvern, Arkansas here, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> we broke down there for three, uh, two day, two or three days, one week, you know, and uh, <laughs> for a week and two or a couple of days, you know. And, you know, that's a dry, <clears throat> that's a dry It's a dry county. county. <laughs> that's a dry county. And, you know so uh I rented the band a car in uh hot Springs, yeah, so they came and got us, and we went and got the car men Chris Clark and maybe Grando came back and uh uh we uh they left but we did get some beer in hot springs cuz uh and then i got back and i found out my bass player had a uh, he had a case of budweiser in the van the whole time you know some of the yeah
1: <laughs> some of the best nights i've ever had on the road was just the exact same thing like you break down Transmission goes out in Auburn, Illinois, or right. Auburn, Alabama, mm-hmm. and you can't go anywhere, and you're just like, well, we're fucked. Yeah. And then you get a motel room.
0: Well, y'all want to go out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. End up at some but stupid The thing box. is, there ain't no place to go out in Malvern and we didn't have no transportation. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, and then so I was like, I ain't doing this no more. You know, I'm not – I'm I'm gonna get a decent vehicle and yeah. And you know, and they break down too, but uh Yeah, but at least it's a decent vehicle. Yeah, it ain't it ain't something that's got three hundred sixty thousand miles on it. But that's I right. did drive uh my last van Black Ford for four hundred thousand miles and then I replaced that's it. That's the thing
1: though for me to talk to someone like you. It's funny because that's when you go, hey, man, talent counts for something.
0: Yeah. I I'm mean, not going out like, in
1: a fucking beater. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, dude, if I'm going to leave the house, I know what I'm bringing to these people. Yeah. I, I get mean, get there
0: in style. <laughs> if we get booked in a shitty motel somewhere, I'm like, no, I'm not <laughs> staying here and go down the road to the holiday. We ain't riding express. the school bus no more. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You know, I mean, that's, I used to stay, we used to play some of the biggest shitholes around and and just. Uh, you
1: would just take it up the ass for no reason. I know. <laughs> no reason.
0: Like, and then no. now it's like, no, this ain't happening no more. <laughs> you know? That's cow, man. You yeah. got a show tonight? Yeah. I got a
1: private.
0: Speaking about taking that, up sure. the ass.
1: <laughs> Take that picture well, with a lot of money. money. <laughs> 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 <to do it. laughs>